Well, good morning, everyone, and once again, welcome to Friends Church. Happy you're here this morning. I'm Jeff, and I want to do a couple things. I want to let you know about a few things coming up. This is a time, uh, really, every week, we we just take a moment to thank all our donors, all the people that play a role in financially supporting the work of Friends Church. We're funded by the generosity of our people, and uh, we can't thank you enough for believing in this thing. And we have people coming on board over the last while, new people that are coming in, people that have been a part that maybe had to stop supporting for a time because of finances, whatever, now coming back on. So there's some good stuff going on. We mentioned last week, to this point in the year, we're about three grand down um, from where we had hoped to be, which is really, in the grand scheme of things, that's, that's not far. That's a, a little speed bump away. And so we're grateful for that. If there's anyone that has been thinking about donating, and supporting this work, and you just need a little push, here it is, (laughs) all right? Uh, Feel free to jump in. There's a number of different ways you can do it. There's a black box at the back. If you're old school, check and cash. You can donate online through the app. You can do that too. Have you seen the app? Have you downloaded our latest version? You can do that. There's a QR code at the info table in the lobby. You can just scan it, and it'll download it onto your phone. Um, All right, so a couple things coming up. First is... Uh, in a few weeks, May 7th, we're doing our annual River Pathway cleanup. It's kind of one part, one little way that we as a community collectively can make a very tangible difference in our city. We've been adopting a stretch of the River Pathway that's paved, that bikers and runners are running and frequenting every day along the river. Um, We go in and we clean that thing. And we've been cleaning the same stretch of that pathway now for about, I think, seven or eight, nine, I forget, a long time. Anyways, and ours, I swear, our stretch is the cleanest in the city, all right? That's the goal. But anyways, it's wonderful when we can go in like a vacuum cleaner and just leave that place spotless. So this year, we're doing a little different. We're offering a little tailgate lunch just before we head out. So uh, we meet at a theater that's just off of 14th Street and and Crowchild, you can get the details if you go to the app. The last thing I'll, I'll mention is um, today we're doing a Welcome to Friends orientation. We do this a few times a year, a couple times a year, for people who are new or feeling like newer, and they're wanting to get more connected. They're wanting to understand maybe a little bit more about who Friends Church is, why we do what we do, maybe to get their questions answered and meet some other people. So we're holding that immediately after in the library, um, after the service. So if you're here, even if you didn't sign up and you want to be a part of that, please come on out and join us. There's already a number of people that will be there, and uh, we're looking forward to that. All right, that's all I got. You're in for a great morning this morning, so I want you to put together your hands and welcome the man. Come on, you told me I could do this. All right, let's go. He loves that crap, doesn't he? Just loves it. Okay, before we get going, I want to say a big thank you to Gregory. We're going to miss you. But I wanted to name all the other people, so hold your applause. So this is all the volunteers that helped just with this service today. We got Bryce, Gregory, Adam on drums, Chantel, Dave Bass, Kyle Whaley. It was beautiful. We have Ryan back there. We have Yanni. We have Krista, who did coffee and stream today. 
Uh, we have Carmen McNamara, who was the coach today. Uh, Jose is going to be building the podcast. So if you're hearing my voice and you're not here, you're thanking uh, Jose. We have Linda and Peter on hospitality. Krista, again, on, and Marianne on uh, coffee. And we have Angie and... Aiden, there we go, on kids downstairs. Can we give all the volunteers a big round of applause? Thank you. That was literally just for today. Okay. How do I transition off that? That just feels all exciting. Okay, I'm going to start with a Bible story. That's how I'm going to transition. It's the part where you're like, ooh, Bible stories. But no, no, this is a good one. Um... We, last week, we talked about the story of Adam and Eve, and Adam, the spineless character who, when he did something bad, tried to blame somebody else. It's a way of trying to avoid this feeling of, like, I screwed up. I'm a bad person. He's like, no, no, it was God. It was Eve. Unfortunately, that has colored gender relations in the Christian community for thousands of years. I'm not interested at all in the gender of the people. I'm interested in how they're dealing with their screw-ups. Blame. I'm a blamer. Vince, what'd you do? I don't even know what the question is. I'm already pointing at somebody else. Now, we know this is a separate portion because the word they use for God changes here. Up until now, we have a different one. Here in this part, the name for God is Yahweh. I don't know if you've ever heard that term. If you're German, it would be pronounced Jehovah. Remember, in Hebrew, they don't put vowels in. They just have consonants, and you have to know the vowels. But you can change the vowels sometimes. So that's how we get the name of God being Yahweh or Jehovah, same thing. But it's not God. It's a character in this story. Now, the story reads that Adam and Eve have a child, Don't ask me how that child is viable. They actually have two children, Cain and Abel. It's interesting about Cain and Abel. They, Cain is a farmer. Now remember, this is a time when everyone is nomadic. So a farmer is kind of like the city slicker when you're from a small town and you're a farmer. You're looking at them going, "Eh, I don't trust those people. It's the beginning of the shift in our culture from nomadic people to people who build farms and then stay there. So right away, these, these sons are framed as completely different. Now we know they're not, you can't actually do this in a family. This is all, um, the technical term is myth. It's a story that explains the truth. But the details in the story, it's not, it doesn't have to be right. But there's a truth in it. And so we have Cain and Abel. We have Cain, the conservative liberal, Abel, the liberal, whatever group you want to put. It's framed that way. They are not the same. And they're not, they're looking at each other, not friends. Now, all the way through this, the last little while, I have asked you, we have asked you to do a psychological hermeneutic. It's a really fancy word. What it means is don't look for divinity in this story, look for humanity. Look for the truth of what it means to be human. And to do that, I want to tell this story, but I'm going to ask you to identify as one of the characters, not with one of the characters, as one of the characters. I want you to be Cain. 
got that? Everyone's Cain. Now the story says, and it doesn't give us a reason at all, Cain and Abel want to send an offering to Yahweh. Later on in stories, we start to understand maybe why they're doing it, but there's no indication of why. You want to send an offering to Yahweh. And your brother does too. We're all from farming communities. So we bring the best grain we can, we can make, grow, cultivate. Can you tell I'm not a farmer? <laughs> That's what we're going to bring. Abel brings the choicest piece of meat. Now remember, we don't know why we did this. We just did it. And here's the line I want us to sit with today. We both give the best, the best of what we got. You take everything that's like, no, no, this is the best I have, and you give it to Yahweh, and this is what Yahweh says. Can you throw it up on the screen for me? Yahweh liked Abel, but Yahweh didn't like us. Yahweh didn't like you or me. What do you feel? That leaves a sick feeling inside of me. There's nothing in this story that says why. There's nothing in the story that says, you know, God was a meatitarian and, and you know, Yahweh wants to only eat meat and the grain was like, ah, that's vegetarian food. I don't eat that crap. For no reason whatsoever that we can fathom, Yahweh says, I don't like you. that connect to some feelings from your life? A parent who doesn't treat you very well? A teacher who says you're not very smart? Why? No, no, no. They're saying, I don't like you. Ah. But he didn't do anything wrong. I don't like you. The world doesn't like you. You see the psychological hermeneutic? There's a feeling inside of us that's just like, ah. Oh. I think that's what Cain's got. He's like, I gave you my best and you don't even like me? Ah. What does that do to a person? Well, 3,000 years later, we started to learn what that did. In 1970, John Bowlby started to research this. I'm going to get you to just take a, take a deep breath because I need to teach you something. You're all very into this, like, oh, that's deep. That's dark. So if you take a child, <laughs> by the way, all you parents for a second, I want you to identify as your child self, not as a parent. You won't do it, but just please do it, okay? <laughs> if you take a baby and you're skillful in seeing what it needs and giving it what it needs, 50% of the time, that child will grow up healthy. That's like a D, a D in school, right? Like 51%, you're golden. So all your parents, as long as you're 51%, you didn't screw up your children. But if you're not skillful, and this doesn't mean, did I not love my children? It has nothing to do with whether you love them or not. Were you skillful with them? 
If you're under 50%, let's flip it around. You're a child now. If your parents were under 50%, this is what happens in a child's brain. And this happens so early that it doesn't ever happen verbally. You don't go, hey, wait a second, what's going on here? No, no, no. This happens before you even have words, which makes it particularly pernicious. You have a child that's wired to believe that its parents will care for it. And if they don't, that child has to deal with that somehow. We had to deal with this somehow. I'm wired to believe my parents will see me and react to me skillfully, but they're not. And to simplify it, you have two major ways of responding. The first one, you go like this. My parents suck. That's why they're not being good, because they suck. This is, remember, you're like three months old or two weeks old or something like this. You don't even have words for it. It's just like... Anyone seeing the resonance with the blame from before? Small number of people go to you suck. The majority of people, again, before we even have words, say, the reason my parents aren't taking care of me the way I need is because there's something wrong with me. I'm not a good person. I don't behave well. I'm broken. I'm damaged. Can you hear that in the Cain story? For the rest of our lives, if we've had that experience in our little itty bitty baby brain, points and says, no, 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 it's here. My mom doesn't come because I'm not doing this right. I'm too much. I'm wounded. That will wire into your brain. You go to school, struggle in a class. Not, no, no, I have a learning challenge. I need the teacher. That's right. I need the teacher to teach it to me different. No, no, no. There's something wrong with me. Your friend, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, leaves you. It's because of me. There's something wrong with me. And it's because it's pre-verbal, we don't have a memory of it happening. It feels like a truth. It feels like a deep knowing. I've always known I am broken. Whatever goes wrong in my life, I understand why. Sorry, it's just, I can feel that, right? We've called the resentment. We've defined it as an unresolved hurt. This shame, this, this something wrong with me, this I'm broken, I'm too much, I'm. It's a response to a hurt. And it's still stuck inside of us. 
It's not trying to drive us off the road of our lives. We're, we're trying to go, you know, we're trying to love somebody and something happens and all of a sudden it's like, I'm a piece of shit, boom, into the ground. Today, I want to show us. I was going to say how to heal this. <laughs> I got 20 minutes. You think I'm going to heal this in 20 minutes? <laughs> I'm just going to nail this thing in 20 minutes. No worries. <laughs> Let's try. Let's try this. I want us to see it. If we can do that, I will have made tremendous strides today. Now remember, I said there's two answers to parents. Again, loving parents. My parents loved me, loved me. But I was so different from them. They, instead of going, it's me, I went to this. Blame. I still live with it. Blame still tries to drive me off the road. So I brought up a friend. He is dealt with shame. He deals with shame. His name's Bryce. Come on up, buddy. Yeah, you already know. This. <laughs> hey, brother. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, man. Oh, yeah, it works. Bryce is going to bear his soul for us, so um, thank you. It's Christmas service all over again. <laughs> um, when I talked about that shame, that kind of cane, like Yahweh just saying, yeah, I don't like you. What came up for you? Did anything come up there? Uh, yeah, lots. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm here, right? <laughs> you okay to share uh, Yeah. Like, I mean, again, we're going to, a, I'm asking you to go to a dark place yeah, and a place sure. that's even like a couple Bryce's ago, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Bryce uh, is working on this. Bryce is in therapy for this. Yeah, yeah. I what? mean, it, it just, it's, it's uh, even more like your examples were just resonant of, of my upbringing, right? Like I'm one of the few people who both had that like wound in them before they were verbal and was like openly told like face to face by parents like I wish you weren't born like you're the reason my life is bad and it's like really hard not to internalize that for your entire the rest of it <laughs> afterwards yeah I know you're saying it is kind of in a joking way it's kind of had it oh, that just <laughs> I'm sorry that's why I'm so funny <laughs> you're like I got a lot of stuff to hide behind yeah, yeah, I don't want to vince it up up here having tears <laughs> your parents to do that to say you're the problem ever hijacked your life ever like what does that look like when that that story that resentment kicks in and yeah i think that it it gets it's really deep right like that this the sense is it's really deeply ingrained it's not just something like you know, I'm, I'm bad at a sport, so I feel weird when I'm playing this sport. It, it overrides every aspect of your life. If at your core, you have internalized that like you yourself are broken, and, and the way I've figured out how to talk about it is like, I don't deserve to take up any space. So in the sense of like, I don't deserve to say like, here's what I need out of this, right? And that's been like the work of, you know, the four, five, 12 braces uh, that we've evolved through is like, how do you set boundaries? Like, how do you like evaluate something and say like, actually, like as a human being who deserves to take up space. And a lot of the time it's like, it's more like I'm, I'm, practicing it in the hopes that like eventually it becomes internalized so it's kind know? of like you're talking like yeah, you know, I have value like, I can do here this here are the right steps but underneath it's like you know exactly yeah. not happening yeah yeah exactly like it's 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 
it, there's a lot of friction in, in I think of things that the people who sort of were raised in a, in a more stable environment would say like hey like it's not okay to like call me names right now where I'd be like I don't know maybe maybe it is maybe I deserve that one um, uh, you know right. so it's and I, more and more is becoming internalized as I go but it's a long 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 road is that resentment kicks in those those words from your parents and even stuff that happened before that clearly they weren't like skillful let's use that term sure your parents weren't skillful absolutely um what is that has that sabotaged your life through the years what yeah kind of stuff is, what has it done like when it shows up what does it do to you so you talked about like but what like broken relationships what has it done yeah i think there are two really concrete examples like i remember being still not having like started like my my therapy journey for this which I've, i mean i've been in therapy for like eight years now with the same like big 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 proponent go 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 find a therapist everybody it's great um but uh i remember being 24 so this is well before i started and and i was in like my first marketing job and my boss would just show up every day like mad he had like a mad energy hmm. it was a staff of 32 people and i would think like what did i do to set this like he was like 34, like I'm older than that now. Like that's actually bananas to assume that like he left a house with like two kids and a wife and like came to work with 30 people and it was my fault. But it was like truly internalized. It, like, it wasn't his kids crap themselves. No. It wasn't his wife told me he's a piece no. of crap. No, it, it, was had, it had to be me, right? And then what happened when you felt like it had to be me? What did it do to you? It was it's just an entire life spent on eggshells, right? If you're <sighs> always scared that you are the problem, you're never going to want to make yourself more of the problem problem right you just shrink you shrink you you think about everything that you're going to say you, like you live your life watching yourself from the outside you don't connect with your own feelings and in like romantic relationships it would often actually come up almost in like a an opposite way where it would be like the need to have so much control mm. that it was toxic. Like, hey, listen, like, I, you know, being younger, like, I need to know, like, where you are, like, what are you doing? Are you going to abandon me? Are you right. going to, you know, leave? Like, because if you don't feel like you're somebody worth being with at your right. core, you're just going to assume that everybody can detach and bail so easily. So it's they're, they're going to bail you. They're like, just bail. Just, it's just like, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, that absolutely. Me. Like if my, if I'm driving a 91 Civic in the middle of a field and it breaks down, I'm not calling a tow truck, whatever it's done, leave it in the field. You know, you're the, the Civic. In that, I'm the 91 Civic. <laughs> gotcha. Great car. No problem. <laughs> but um, leave them for dead. Yeah. Leave so it. your whole life is leave them for dead. Leave them for dead. Leave for them sure. For dead. Yeah. The, the belief that you are not worth like anything putting any effort into you know wow. any respect any whatever and so right. that's been the sort of journey as i unwind you know both of those things is like hey if there is somebody who's mad you know if i show up to band practice and dave's grumpier than usual is that my fault hmm. you know probably not kyla probably said something <laughs> um you know and so just having to be like catch myself in those thoughts and be like i don't actually have the data so okay. yeah what is it like when the shame kicks in so again not current price but pr could you feel it in your body like what did it feel like in your body yeah, you love doing this thing to me, and I'll try my best. But again, like part of, I think part of the survival mechanism is you have to dissociate from your own feelings. Because if you, if you feel your feelings, you have to respect them, right? right. Like emotions are a great guide. And that's the problem. You're the problem. So connecting to self is the wrong answer. Yeah, right. You connect to the outside. Like you, you invent fancy stories. Like you live outside of yourself. Right. You can feel the worst of the bad feelings. Like you can feel depression. This is my case. Maybe other people really 
really feel this, right. but I think it's almost like a more like a mental heaviness and like a numbness. And then as I've connected to it more, I can like feel the feelings that are closer to like, Ooh, maybe I'm like actually being wronged or violated in this situation. Uh, this feels bad. Maybe I'm like feeling embarrassed or something as you right. get closer to being able to like feel internalized and like live in it and act through it. But it's the first is disconnect, disconnect, focus on others. Exactly. And now it's, so that's kind of like the red flag. As soon as you're like, yeah. Bryce isn't even there. He's just no. a brain trying to make other people happy. Yeah. It's the, that's the red flag of like, oh, I'm in the shame spiral. Yeah, I've oh, used, shoot. and I would, if someone was terrified when I said this, I would totally understand, but like I've used the phrase in like extremely high stress situations where I'm like having a period of life where it's like so intense, nothing is going right. Like life is just a, just one junk kick after the other. And like, I'm, you know, being gaslit in a romantic relationship or like a, a you know, a a personal relationship that like I've used the phrase like Bryce isn't here right now like just become so disconnected from myself because that's a lot to feel and like it's a lot of work and sometimes it's just you just want to skip the work and so uh, that's not really something I, I would say that I deal with as much now but like I've had those moments of like total disconnect from your sense of self because if you feel it, you've either got to be like, you know, it's almost if you feel it and you thought about it critically, you'd be like, this is, I shouldn't feel like this. So I should, you know, set some boundaries and actually do the work. <laughs> That's current Bryce. Yeah. Old Bryce just goes, I shouldn't be. Here. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be anxious and in my head and try to fix everybody's imaginary problems that I assigned to them that I created that we've never talked about. I didn't ask you this ahead of time, but you have a, you had a podcast. I did. What was the name of the podcast? Uh, songs I wrote when I wanted to die. Huh. So we interviewed musicians about like songs they wrote at their lowest um, and like sort of what was going on in their life at the time, like what was the context. And the big thing was like, what have you learned from going right. through that? But you're attracted to that moment. The worst case of shame is I shouldn't be here. Yeah. And not metaphorically, but physically. Yeah, it can be physically, it can be like metaphorically. You certainly like shame can be a massive driver of like really dark thoughts, right? Like if you just feel like I'm not good enough, I am not enough, like, you know, I think the worst, most harmful thought that can go through your head is like the the world or this place is worse for my being here is right. a really is a really tough thought. I can help the world by not being here. Exactly. And that's the thought that you gotta watch latching on. Yeah. How are you doing with shame these days? I know you've done a ton of work. Pretty good. Um, Better? I, I would say, yeah. I mean, it's, it still comes up. I notice it comes up in periods of high stress because, mm. again, like now that I like am, you know, like I run a business, like I, I, there's just high pressure stuff in that world anyways, right? So the, the higher the stress, the more you just kind of like get into thinking mode and less into feeling mode. And, you just did, and then all of a sudden you're like... Oh no, <laughs> you know, yeah. you asked me a couple weeks ago, how do you feel? And I went back to talking about it and I, you, I, you asked me to describe my emotions. And later I realized I was trying to look at myself from the outside to describe them I think, in my head. And I was I like, wait I a said, minute. What are you feeling? And you said, I think, and that's how you answered it. And I was yeah. like, mm. and that's another flag for me, right? Like when I'm that disconnected, when you look through your friends, for, let me ask, have you ever blown up a relationship from shame? Shame hit you and just like nuked it. Yeah, for sure. I can give a really embarrassing example recently if you want. <laughs> if, you, if you sure, there's no one listening. There's yeah. no, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Sure. It was. Uh, I'm a grown. I'm a grown ass man <laughs> saying this, but this is an example. You know, I don't. 
as, as me and my therapist say, I don't have macro meltdowns anymore. I keep it to micro. So sure. her advice to me, sorry kids, was, you know, don't quit your job. Like, get high and order dominoes. Um, and I was like, that's really good advice, actually. So she says, just kind of keep it, keep it contained. Like, don't do anything drastic. Do something you'll feel dumb about for a day if you right. get there and then, and then reset. Not like, I broke up with the person I love. I quit, quit my, my job. job. Exactly. I moved to new, like, Those just things that are, they are not fixable, right? right. It's, it's easy to be like, hey, well, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, get on the track. But it was my birthday a couple uh, weeks ago. And I just, I, I had made plans for my birthday. I was like, hey, guys, like, let's all meet here with a lot of people that I, I work in a co-working space and share it with. And they've all become friends. And I just remember I was really having this, this period of like, oh, I kind of wonder if these people want to be my friends or they're like in, in proximity to me, which is that voice of, uh, you don't, you don't belong here. So like yeah. me, nobody wants you. They're just, they're pretending. Right. So it, it was, it was a little bit in my head. And I remember in a row, I was sitting there with three people who were supposed to come and one said, is that still on? The other said, I can't come. And the other said, probably. And I, I just started texting everyone canceling my birthday. I was just like, I, I cannot, I cannot deal with like the rejection of going to this place and having like one quarter of the people show up. I'd rather just not do this because it was like high stress from work, like high stress from life. And I was just like, man, I just, I just don't know if these are actually my friends or I've miscalculated. Yeah. They were really mad I canceled in the end. And we had a good time. <laughs> so we did something in the end. <laughs> do you, when you look through the people in your life, do you see shame in them? I think so. I mean, who doesn't have something, right? Like yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not unique in this case. Maybe you ever seen them kind of like it. driving stuff off the cliff? Like same thing, like, oh yeah. Canceling everything, blowing this up, destroying everything. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think it, at my age, one of the things I've learned is like, at maybe my I've, age, thing, look out there. I've got to be, <laughs> I've got to be age. the craziest one. Um, <laughs> so I do keep a very sort of like, you know, I, I try to keep people in my life who are, you know, they, they can have their stuff but be working on it just like I am. You know, I can't kind of have just unfettered chaos. No, what I'm trying to say is shame unrecognized. Mm. When you have that resentment in you, what's it doing to people? Yeah, I think it just always disconnects them. So one second. Oh. You said, I think. What does it feel like to you? In other people or me? Other people. It feels like they just don't understand themselves, right? It does feels, it feel like they're disappearing? Yeah, a little bit. It's, it more just feels like, uh, I just, I know that you, there's like a feeling you get when you're like, I know you haven't done the work. Like you either are still living in a mode where like everything is everybody else's fault or you just feel that bad about yourself, you know? And it, it comes up. Like I know that it comes up when people talk to me and I'm in that state where I'm just being self-deprecating or whatever. And at the other side-ish of the work, like you can really feel that radiate off a person. You're either going to be somebody who, when we have lunch, is going to be like, ah, like my ex did this and this and my boss. And you're never going to hear them say like, but also I could, you know, take ownership. You just feel this person who doesn't want to dig in and do the work. And I think it is something I can feel coming off of people. Does it ever feel like, sometimes I get a feeling from someone it's almost like they're a ghost. Yeah. Like, they're walking, they're talking, but there's, there's nothing inside them. Like they've so disconnected from that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've been there and I've felt like that about myself is like, I just lived an entire day without feeling my own body one time. You I just weren't there. No, I wasn't there for like a whole day. You know, I was there. Like it wasn't some diagnosed disassociation or anything. It was just like, I just have lived up here at the very top of my brain trying to survive. I haven't to it. felt a single thing. 
you know? Yeah, that's, I, I hadn't thought about that, but Bryce wasn't there in that sense. Like, yeah. all of Bryce, it was just a shell. Yeah. It was just the brain that was trying to manage everything. Yeah. What would you say to people who are on that same, they have that background, that shame background? What would you say to them? So I know, go to therapist, but like, yeah. is when you look at life whole, I would just say like to evaluate like what your relationship with your own self-esteem is. And one of the things that really made me weirdly angry my whole life was this like real like white people on Facebook thing that I heard all the time, which was like, you have to love yourself before someone else can love you. And I got so mad at how little sense that made to me. All my female friends, I would ask them like, oh, that tracks entirely. And all my male friends would be like, I don't know what that means. And so I actually had to like start Googling it one day to be like, what does this mean until I found like a male therapist talking about it? Mm. And his thing was more like, it's about your self-esteem. It's not like this feeling of loving. I had the same question in Sunday school at 14. Like, how do I love God when I don't feel emotions? And mm. it's more about, you know, like to love yourself is to like put your, like, are you doing things that make you increase your self-esteem and like mm. connect you with yourself? And one of the things that I've had to work on so hard is to find the things that I can say about myself that I absolutely know to be true that can't be shaken even in moments of shame if you ask me. So in a, if I was in a, in a moment of shame and you were like, ooh, like I want to set you up with someone, do you think you'd be like a good first date? I'd be like, I don't know, like maybe we'll see. Sometimes I'd say yes, sometimes I'd say no. Mm -hmm. But if you were like, are you a person who cares about the people around you and always puts your shopping cart back? I'd be like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So if we can connect with the things about ourselves that are, we, we are, all, are always true, that we know are good and like bring... Sorry well, to be a marketer. As you said, value. first, find those things. Absolutely. Do the work to actually look inside and say, is there anything of value here? And then hold on to that. Yes, probably there is something of value there. Just We all know, yeah, if you're listening on the podcast, yes, there is something there is of value. Something. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, dude. But what is it? You know, yeah. what is the thing? And, and how do you latch on to that when things are turbulent and you're up here? And, and your brain's saying there's nothing. There's, there's nothing, nothing. And you can go, no, wait. Like, I remember, I, I, I have to write my stuff down. I have to be like, this year, like, here's what I did. Like, here's how I've grown. And having those things to look back at and say, like, I definitively this. accomplished this. And this is this. like Bryce's value. There's this piece. Yes. I take, I always take, I care about my friends and I take my shopping cart back. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and that can't back. be, that can't be unraveled by shame, by a feeling of like, you know, these, these turbulent moments where you're in your head mm. because it's, you've, you've just done the work to internalize at least some good thing in there. So that in that sea of like, I'm worthless, like as a baby that was put into me and as a, all, all through my life, at least there's that like rock of like, okay, but also mm -hmm. even if I feel like as I know a, B and C to be true and they will always be true unless there's some drastic shift and that's where you can start building off of to actually build self-esteem just sit here for a second and just feel inside can you feel those positive sides inside I can yes because I spent the whole week working on that for you I, I knew I knew I'd be on stage you'd be like what color are your feelings I'm a horrible friend I drew them I drew them this week oh, did you? I, I found out I can sketch them oh good but I can't voice them then let's look at sketches. Well, I don't have my phone. I'm a good person. <laughs> okay. Everyone, let's give Bryce a big round of applause. Thanks, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. You're a good man. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that first line killed me. His parents literally said that to him, like, oh. <sighs>
Cain after Yahweh says, I don't like you, killed his brother, and then went on the run. Separated from everything he knew, everything he loved, his livelihood, his sense of self. I can only think his life was colored with shame. I can't prove this, but everything I read about him is shame. There's something wrong with me. I'm broken. There's a weird line that church scholars have fought over for years. They say, Yahweh put a mark on Cain so that people wouldn't kill him when they saw him. I looked up what that meant. No one knows. There's been traditions of tattooing. There's been traditions of birthmarks, all sorts of stuff. You know what it felt like to me? And again, if you want to ignore this, just say, Vince, you're making this stuff up, and I am. The mark of Cain, to me, felt like the body position of shame. Slumped forward, head down. Not a threat. A person who's doing so much damage to themselves at all times that I don't need to worry about killing them. When you look in your life, how much shame do you see in the people around you? Because to, to realize shame, and again, remember I told you, if this happened pre-verbally, we have no memory of it happening. It feels like an a priori truth. It feels like this is true. This is the right answer. Can you see shame in someone else? You know, Bryce, like fantastic, but you notice there was moments where, you know, he's, he's, he's funny and he's trying to, like, you can tell he's trying to stay in there, but you can feel underneath there's this, these moments, these flashes of shame where it's like, Ugh. Can you see it in the people around you, your kids, your parents, friends? That mark of Cain, again, I made that up. That's your first step. If you want to heal this, your first step is to be able to actually see it in another human being. Number two is to start seeing it yourself. You want to do it? Go check in the mirror. Sometimes you'll physically do this. Sometimes you energetically. It's this, I have to destroy what's in here because what did he said? Like, there's nothing here. This is bad. I'm broken. Can you look inside the mirror and see it? Your next step is to actually see it as a resentment and not a core truth. That's hard. Being able to say, I hear myself saying, I am worthless. I need to shut this down. This isn't a value. I did this. I'm the problem. No, no. You have to be able to see that as a resentment. That's a response to a hurt. It's not me. It's not a truth. It's not like, you know, the divine voice saying, you're a piece of shit. It's a resentment that comes from a hurt that we need to deal with. And if you can start separating yourself, I've watched people, I had a, a, someone I, I love deeply, I saw them go through this, the shame hit them, boom, and I could just see, like, 10 minutes later, 
was the shame voice that just hit me, wasn't it? Yeah. That's that resentment, isn't it? Yeah. That's your third. If you're ninja level on this, if you're ninja level, you will see it coming before it hits you. I feel that voice that there says there's something wrong with me, that I'm the problem. But I know that's a resentment. I know where that's coming from. And to go down that path is to become a ghost. And I don't want that. My world doesn't want that of me. And so you go inside and say, who am I? And what do I want? That's ninja level. If any voice in your life has put shame into you, there is a way out. This does not need to destroy your relationships. You don't even have to villainize your parents. They could have been doing the very best with what they had. It just didn't work right. But we don't need to let this resentment destroy our lives. There's a way out. Okay, take a deep breath. Feel down into your body. Probably being a little freaking out right now because I poked your shame a lot and it's now giving you the middle finger of like, screw you, I'm never letting you have control again. See what you do with control? Just let that go. Connect in with self. Who am I? And what do I want? Resentments do not have to destroy our lives. We can learn from them. But this one starts by being able to actually see it. I told you I'd solve it all in 20 minutes, right? Did I nail it? You're all fixed? Everything's good? <laughs> Stop laughing at me like you're a crazy person, Clausen. <laughs> Have a great week, everybody. Uh, if you're coming to the Welcome to Friends, we'll see you there. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about another one. There's this whole hierarchy piece that we use to avoid learning from our resentment. It's insidious, it's all over the place, and it's becoming culturally more and more accepted. But it's helping us avoid the very learning we need. I love you all. Have a great week. Take care.